Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman Mason. Watch us. MyLifeSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. In the meantime, if you're thinking about dinner, highly recommend Smoking Dave's Barbecue and Brew. So many great things on that menu. And don't forget, they cater as well. So when you have your holiday party, uh, Dave just joined us on the show. You could do a smoked turkey, but you better order that fast. They could do a spiraled ham. And don't forget about great sides. Their barbecue beans are fantastic. They're made with pork and brisket. You can't pass up the mac and cheese, just outstanding. Collard green. So stinking good. And don't forget about desserts. They have A-plus desserts at Smoking Dave's Barbecue and Brew. You can find them in North Denver, also in Centennial off of Arapahoe Road. Time now for the lead. The lead is presented by Smoking Dave's Barbecue and Brew, Colorado's best barbecue since 2007. Go get some tonight in Denver, Centennial, Longmont, Lions, and Estes Park. All right, no surprise, Vic Fangio was asked about the passing game today, saying, quote, our whole passing game needs to improve. We just need to get our passing game as a whole in a better rhythm, adding the passing game wasn't in a very good rhythm the previous week against the Chargers. So, what we have talked about, other media members have talked about, the fans have talked about, stick to the run, stick to the run, stick to the run. Well, they've stuck to the run over the last couple of weeks, and they've done pretty well. Has that really affected the rhythm of the passing game? Should it have affected the rhythm of the passing game? Ideally, it shouldn't. Ideally. Yes, but right. this is not ideal. Now, there are things that you can do, especially when your running game is working, to get the passing game on its feet. Play action. Ding, 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 ding. I mean, you should What do be... I win? Tell him what he's won, Johnny. Yeah. Don Pardo, what's, what did he win? Bassomatic. <laughs> That's old school. That is very... You've gone deep into the SNL 1970s re- reservoir now twice in the uh, last 25 hours. The original not for primetime players. Yes, yes. exactly. And that you probably think that was the best generation of SNL, right? No, it's not. Oh, what, what do you think it was? Oh, the best generation is Will Ferrell's generation. Wow. That's interesting. It usually, is. Well, no, usually you kind of pick the generation that kind of first brings you into Saturday Night Live, like that you kind of come of age with a little bit. Well, I mean, Saturday Night Live started when I was, I think, nine. Right. Right? And, so, then, and then you were like 12 and you still had... Most of the original cast still. There. I mean, they they, they yeah. had some they had some really lean years with Anthony Michael Hall. Yeah, like for me, it's I was I was ten to eighteen when you kind of had that group that kind of started with Phil Hartman, right. and then toward the end of that, it was Adam at the end of Hartman's run, it was Adam Sandler and Chris Will, Farley, like so like the, Will Ferrell, Mike that. Myers. Well, Will Ferrell was the next generation. Yeah, yeah. So kind of my group is the. Mike Myers, Adam Sandler, Chris Farley. Wait, Will Ferrell and... Dana Carvey. Wait, Will Ferrell was together with uh, Hartman, wasn't he? No. No? No. Then I'll go with the previous one. Yeah. The early, not like the late 80s, early 90s. That was the best one. Phil Hartman, Mike Myers, Dana Carvey, Adam Sandler, Chris Farley, David David Spade. Jeez. 
Do you like have a poster of them above your bed? No, I just again, it's my generation. Okay. And look, it wasn't all great. I mean, Victoria Jackson. I mean, come on. I mean, that, you know, she was terrible, but I'm sure she'd be thrilled to know how you feel about it. Yeah, I mean, she's kind of a loon anyway. Let's get back to the Broncos. <laughs> yeah, let's get back to the Broncos because if you're going to get this passing game back on its feet, it's got to start with play action. Actually playing off of the fact that teams are going to play you heavy in the box right now. Detroit's probably going to play their defense to stop the run. They're probably going to stop. They're going to stack the box. But that means if you're going to go play action, you can't go play action for the little five yard out. Okay, it means you've got to hit some downfield shots. Right. And last Sunday, on a windy night at Arrowhead Stadium, that was not a club that Teddy Bridgewater had in his bag. Tried right. a couple of times, didn't work. Right. By the way. You talk about being aggressive. Bridgewater had a great quote today. We've done a great job protecting the ball while also trying to be aggressive. Please explain that to me because obviously I'm very stupid when it comes to football. Explain that to me because I'm guessing there were more than a few media members there just going, what? Kind of like a needle getting ripped off a record. Like, what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, I mean, I think he probably defines aggression differently than the rest of us define it. Well, how do you think he's defining it? I think he's make any sense. I think he's defining it by saying, "Okay, I did. You know, I threw deep once, and it was uh, nearly and it was nearly picked off down the middle. I threw deep down the sideline to Cortland Sutton, and uh, it wasn't close. And okay, we took our shots, didn't work out. Went back to just it went back to just to using the pitching wedge in the sandwich. Now, tell me what you really think of his statement. Again, I think. He just defines aggression differently than most of the rest of us do. How do you think I'm trying to put myself in his shoes. I'm trying to I'm trying to empathize with it. Like he like he might say like or he might be thinking, well, we did try a couple of deep shots and they didn't work out. He wasn't even close on him. Right. I mean, he wasn't close. And they um. haven't and they haven't done anything deep basically in weeks. I mean, you got to go back to the Dallas game. The last time you really had a nice vertical threat. When he had that beautiful pass to Tim Patrick, and that was a beautiful catch and pa- pass and catch. It was. It's been there. I I do think part of it, at least in the micro of last Sunday, part of it was the conditions in which the game was played. What about which against didn't the- favor somebody who doesn't have a cannon? Well, what about against the Chargers? Yeah. How do you explain that? How do you explain that? Yeah. He got, mean, it's not like the, can't explain it early. You can explain it later by saying he was playing injured. But again, it goes back to the whole thing. If he's injured, if he's not 100%, why is he out there? If Drew Locke was so close to Teddy Bridgewater, at least as close as the coaches said that he was, which tells me that the co- that he wasn't as close as the coaches maintained that, they, that he was to Teddy Bridgewater in training camp. It just feels like we've been seeing the same stuff all season, outside probably the first three games. It, 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 we're watching. We're watching the same movie over and over again, mm-hmm. and it's. I can understand why Broncos fans are frustrated. Yeah, I get it. It's the problem is the alternatives aren't any better right now. You're major ba- lock. Yeah, no. And we and again we've seen that in the true relief efforts that he's had, and Brett Rippon. I mean, I'm sorry, but Brett Rippon, I believe, had one interception every ten attempts last year when he was in there. Right. Yeah, he's not. He's not any better. Well, he doesn't have much of a strong arm either. Right. I mean, I, remember, Bridgewater could outthrow Rippon. I mean, <laughs> if that, let's put that in perspective. Remember how the Jets were kind of timing him up 
in the yeah. fourth quarter of that game last year, and the Broncos right. basically had to hang on by the skin of their teeth to beat yeah. a team that finished two and fourteen. Right. Yeah. We opened the show talking about Russell Wilson. We'll talk more about him in this hour. You're just basically hanging on and trying to duct tape and bailing wire your way to the finish line with what you have. But the long-term answer isn't here. You're just trying to get by with what you have right now. And then, once again, mash the reset button on the quarterback position in the offseason, whether it's with a stud veteran or if you can't get the stud veteran, either bringing Bridgewater back as a bridge quarterback or bringing in another bridge quarterback and drafting your QB of the future in round one. That is, that, that's where this is headed. Coming up after the break, we'll talk to Todd Davis, Super Bowl champ, what, he, what his thoughts are about what's going on with the Broncos. Also, should I be so bold as to ask him, does he believe next year's quarterback is on the roster? Sure. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, you don't want to do it? Well, you you brought it up. I'm going to let you do it. No, because you don't like to ask questions like that. You want me You want me to fall on the sword. But you're the one who suggested it. What if I give it to you? You don't you have, have to. to. I, you, appre- you have to say I just, appreciate your generosity, but no, you don't have to. Do, you don't no, have to be that magnanimous wow. right now. Yes. Let uh, you have wow. it. Wow. Fine. I'll, I'll do it because I know you won't. Would you do it? I'd have to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk to Todd next. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive, Goodman, Mason. Watch us, mileisports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you are looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. In the meantime, I want to tell you about my friend Eric Cook at uh, Farmers Insurance and the Cook Insurance Agency. I've worked with Eric for well over five years. Uh, he already does my auto and my home. Uh, he is so good at what he does because he asks the right questions to get me into the policy that I need. He is also very good at returning phone calls and emails. He even does that on his day off. And when you need something and you have a question, it's always important to be able to work with somebody who gets back to you in a reasonable amount of time. You don't want to be waiting when you have important questions, right? So my suggestion, highly recommend Eric and his staff at the Cook Insurance Agency, over 70 years of experience. Give them a call if you need them. And you will be thrilled that you did. 303-790-8089. 303-790-8089. Time now for the buzz. The buzz is presented by Rocky Mountain Forest Products, where they specialize in wholesale lumber to the public. Go to Rocky Mountain Forest Products in Wheat Ridge or go to rmfp.com. All right, let's go out to the hotline. We're going to bring in our friend, Super Bowl champ, Todd Davis. His segment is brought to you by the Davis Fund. How are you, Todd? I'm doing great. How are you? Uh, Good. So after the Kansas City game, the players said they're looking at the last five games of the season as playoff games. With that, what exactly does that mean? Does that mean they're going to try harder? What does that mean? That means 
Um, they're taking the mentality of win or go home. Um, you're looking at every game as a must-win game, um, as a game that you need to win to in order to advance to your season, advance as if you were in the playoffs. Um, and it, every game is a must-win. I mean, you start off the season with every game being a win, but as everyone knows, when the playoffs come around, um, you kind of turn up the intensity, you turn in, turn up the uh, preparation, and you get ready to go. Is there a difference between a must-win game and a game that's like a playoff game? Um, I would say, yes, there actually is. Um, you know, a must-win game um, is a game that you have to win and everybody feels like um, you know it's important for the team to win. But a playoff game is um, the whole world knows you need to win. Um, the coaching staff are looking at the game as, um, you know, maybe one of the last steps in order to winning a Super Bowl. Um, I've had the honor to win one in my career, and only one, um, so I know how tough it is to get there. So when you get to the playoffs, um, every game is centered around winning to get to the Super Bowl. If I would have told you before the Chiefs game, Javante Williams would have about 175 yards of combined offense on the ground or catching the ball. Patrick Mahomes would have his worst day of his you know, of the season, arguably of his career. Travis Kelsey would have a couple of catches. Tyreek Hill would have a couple of catches. And the Broncos' defense would be nothing short of fantastic against the Chiefs' offense. Uh, how many points do you think the Broncos would have won by in that game? Yeah, I, I don't know. I probably would have believed uh, Javante Williams having a great night. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if I would have. Uh, believe that the Broncos would have done such a great job with Patrick Mahomes. They did a phenomenal job, uh, you know, keeping him contained all night and really playing well. Um, I mean, besides the pick six and another pick that put them in field goal range, they really didn't give him, um, as far as the points that they allowed Patrick Mahomes to score, it was really wasn't too much, maybe 12. Um, so I think they did a great job with him all night. What exactly did the Broncos do schematically to keep Mahomes in check? Um, I think they really just, um, you know, played, um, you know, single high safety football, uh, which a lot of teams don't do against them, at least this year. Um, they were able to play single high with Justin, um, let Kareem come down the box sometimes when it was, you know, in the run game. Um, and in the past game, I think that the, the DBs just played phenomenally. Um, there really were any um, big plays, uh, open passes for Mahomes to make. Um, they just played great football all the way around. We're talking with Todd Davis. He joins us every Wednesday on the show. His segment is brought to you by the Davis Fund. You've always been very good at answering very direct questions. Unfortunately for me, you're always very good at dancing around those questions because you're very good at doing interviews, but I'll be direct with you right now. Do you believe next year's quarterback is currently on this roster? I think that um, next year's quarterback um, is still up in the air. Um, I don't know for sure whether he's, he's good. on the roster. Andrew, he's good. he's good. He's really, he's let good. He's good. Let him finish. He's good. Let Todd finish, he's Eric. Good. I was listening to him. Go ahead, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> You know, um, I think I think that they definitely have some options uh, for next year. I think Teddy has proved that he can play at a high level. Um, you know, but I don't know exactly what you know their mindset is going into next year. I feel like they do have 
a quarterback um, that could be great for them next year if they decide to go with him in terms of the team, and I'm not sure about When you, as a defender, were going up against an offense that had a strong running game, you obviously kind of play to stop that. So from a defensive perspective, how much difficult is it if a team can pair that strong running game with a vertical passing game that is viable and can make some plays? I mean, that's really uh, unstoppable. Uh, you talk about a combo that can't be beaten. If you're able to run the ball uh, and then you have a deep pass, passing game attack that um, is second to none, I think that's what makes Super Bowl winning um, teams, at least um, you know the best offenses in the game, um, are kind of structured that way. Um, so you talk about teams that can run the ball hard and you know, take deep shots down the field. I don't know um, what defense or um, if any team can stop that. When you look at the contract that Cortland Sutton signed and the contract that Tim Patrick signed, are you thinking as a fan watching the game, man, are we really utilizing these guys the right way right now? Yeah, I don't feel like uh, necessarily uh, we're using them the right way based off of um, what they can do on the field and then also what they paid them. I think they paid those guys a lot of money, which they 100% rightfully earned. Um, But I I don't think they're using them to their full potential. They are two um, phenomenal wide receivers that need the ball more. I mean, it's tough when you have uh, Javante Williams as a rookie coming in and being spectacular the way he has, but um, I think they still need to find a way to get um, Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick the ball. Okay, Vic says that all the time. Shermer says that all the time. But you could be more forthright with your answer. How do they do that? They have to design plays uh, for them going into the week. Um, similar to what the Chiefs do with um, with Cheetah and Travis Kelsey, there are design plays where Travis Kelsey knows he's getting the ball, the whole team knows he's getting the ball, and it's meant to feed the offense. Um, and they know that the offense goes through um, their passing game, and I think that's how they have to structure the offense here. They have to design plays for premier pass catchers to get the ball, um, and sometimes it doesn't open. It doesn't really matter um, what the coverage is going to Tim Patrick, and there's nothing anybody can do to stop it, and that's how we're going to run the offense. I think that's how they kind of have to have the mindset, um, you know, for the next five games. Should the offense, in terms of the game planning, should they be going in thinking, okay, maybe we do have to try to get the ball to Jerry Judy X amount of times, Cortland Sutton X amount of times, instead of just kind of getting carried away with the flow of the game? Absolutely. I think that's how I would do it um, if I was a defensive coordinator. Um, I think that's how um, they make sure that everybody gets their touches. Um, and, and I think they can also um, still be balanced by making sure we're going to give um, each wide receiver X amount of touches as, as well as give Javante and uh, Melvin X amount of touches. Um, I think you can, you know, have yourself balanced in the game before the game even starts, but also make sure that you're feeding all the weapons you have because it's very important to keep everybody um, who can make an impact in the game making impact in the game. Andrew and I had a long conversation yesterday on the show about Kenny Young and Josie Jewell. Of course, Josie is a friend of yours. You played with him for more than a few years, and then they have Baron Browning. 
obviously you know as much about the inside linebacker position as anyone because you played it for so many years. Let's say they bring back Josie. Let's say they bring back Young. And then, of course, you have Browning under contract. If they stay in a 3-4 defense of those three, what is the best combination to be the starters? Well, you know, um, I think Josie is a great player and a great tackler. Um, he has been for the last few years, and he's finally starting to get some recognition. Um, so definitely I feel like he needs to be a starter. Um, the way that he uh, leads the defense and gets guys set up and um, really knows his job and every other person on the defense job, um, that's really unmatched. And I know that he's a veteran player, and he's always going to come and bring his uh, hard hat and his lunch pail to work. This is how he works. Um, I also feel like um, Kenny Young has done a great job coming in and playing well. Um, I didn't uh, know too much about him from um, the Rams, but I feel like he's came in and played well. Um, I saw him um, last Sunday night one on one with Kelsey uh, quite a few times, and he I feel like he did a great job. I mean that's not an easy task by any means. Um, I think those two will be your starters, and then you have Baron Browning, um, you know, learning and continuing to get better. Um, for eventually, um, you know, a starting job at some point. Okay, so you have a big Toys for Tots uh, fundraising drive going on on Saturday, part of the Davis Fund. What's going on? Yeah, so um, this Saturday I'm going to work, be working with Toys for Tots at their event, um, helping to um, pass out toys and just spread a little bit of how they cheer and um, help to give back to my community. Um, it should be about three to 4,000 families that we're helping out. I'm excited. I can't wait. I think it'll be a great day. And where is this going to be at? Can people go there just to meet you? Oh, yeah. You can come down. Um, it should be um, downtown um, at the Toys for Tots um, distribution center. Um, I believe you can find that online. Um, so it should be myself and a lot of Marines there um, helping um, to give give back. And tell us also more about the Davis Fund and how you are giving back to the community through your real estate company. Yep. So uh, the Davis Fund is the LLC my wife and I started. Uh, we do for-profit and uh, non-for-profit uh, real estate investment and acquisitions. Uh, you know, our non-profit portion of the company, we really um, help by giving back um, to single single mothers and uh, families in transition and want to continue to uh, help and provide housing even to our veterans and people in need with mental health. So um, we're building up that part of our brand and our company um, to really help build homes for people who really need them. Todd, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for what you do for our community. And I know Saturday uh, they're going to love seeing you out there and hopefully you make a lot of families very, very happy this holiday season. Perfect. I can't wait, man. I think it'll be fun. Have a good one. Thank you, Todd. Appreciate it. Todd Davis, Super Bowl champ. Coming up after the break, we talked about at the top of the show. Need to bring this back up again. According to a longtime sportscaster, a guy by the name of Jordan Schultz, Russell Wilson has narrowed down the teams he would like to be traded to if indeed the Seahawks are willing to trade him. Are the Broncos on the list? That's next.
Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman Mason. Watch us. MyLifeSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you are looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. In the last hour of the show, we talked about the avalanche against the Rangers. Rangers, uh, one of the hottest teams in hockey, if not the hottest team in hockey right now. Talked about how well the Rangers have played defensively. Well, right now, uh, the game is tied at one apiece. Miko Rantanen started the scoring for the avalanche less than five minutes into the game. Again, the score is 1-1 with four minutes to go in the first period. Time now for What's Trending. What's Trending is presented by Colorado Off-Road in Littleton. If you need major accessory brands or something off-market for your truck, car, Jeep, or SUV, they've got it. Upfit today at Colorado Off-Road or go to cooffroad.com. All right, according to longtime sportscaster Jordan Schultz, Russell Wilson, would strongly consider waiving his no-trade clause for deals to the Giants, the Saints, the Eagles, and the Broncos. He didn't say Eagles. We're saying Eagles because we've been told the Eagles are a part of this as well. So for all of the teams that would likely be in the mix, what could they offer Seattle? All right, let's start with the Broncos. They, of course, have the extra second-round pick that they got from the Rams and the Von Miller trade, extra third-round pick as well. So the Broncos could offer two ones and two twos or even three twos. So basically their first and second-round picks from the next two drafts. And, of course, they have the most cap space by far of any team to be able to absorb the contract. The Philadelphia Eagles, they have a projected $18 million of cap space for next year. They have three first-round picks. Today, those picks would be 12, 13, and 17 in this year's draft. They also have Jalen Hurts. The Broncos, they couldn't really send Drew Locke in a deal, or he really really wouldn't have much value. Jalen Hurts has potential value as someone who might be a quarterback of the future, plus, of course, those first-round picks and any other picks they may want to give. The New York Giants, they're projected to have $2.6 of cap space next year, but they have two top-10 picks Next year's draft, currently six and seven. If the draft were tomorrow, they too could offer another young quarterback, Daniel Jones. He's kind of about in the same range as Jalen Hurts, although he is in his third year, so he's a little bit further down down the line. And then there are the New Orleans Saints, who are at this moment projected to be sixty one million dollars over the cap next year. Over, right? Over, over the cap. They have their first-round pick, which is projecting to be in the middle of the first round. They have their second-round pick, and they have those same picks next year as well. They don't have a third-round pick this year, believe it or not, because they trade Bradley Roby, but that's sort of on the fringe of a deal. And because they're so far over the cap, largely because of the Drew Brees deal and other restructures to keeping cap compliance, they would have to go through some significant, significant cap gymnastics to get Russell Wilson under their cap. It is my understanding the Broncos are 1A, the Saints are 1B, then the Giants are 3, Philadelphia is 4. One advantage the Broncos have, they have a lot of advantages, they are the only AFC team. 
if Seattle is concerned about keeping Russell Wilson in the division. Honestly, you and I have had this conversation before, and it was earlier this season. If you could trade Trevor Story to the Dodgers and get a haul in return, you take it. At least I would. The difference is the Dodgers are in the Rockies division, and Seattle is not playing in the same division, but they are playing in the same conference. Right? Yeah. So that that is a difference. If I'm Russell Wilson, I think the Broncos are the most attractive option. They have tons of cap space, not only absorb, but they can add players as well, and they have young talent. And the Broncos could very likely be looking for a new head coach. We have talked about it many times on this show. There is a very close relationship between George Payton and Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn, of course, led Atlanta to the Super Bowl in that infamous game in which the Falcons blew a 28-3 lead. Dan Quinn, he was the architect behind the Legion of Boom. I'm sure Broncos fans remember that. So Quinn and Russell Wilson have a relationship. You could also make the case if Russell Wilson goes to the Giants or says, okay, I'll go to the Giants, but I want to pick my own head coach, or at least I want to say in it, the Giants might allow him to do that. I think for the Broncos, I think that George Payton is already is already on top of it, and I think Quinn is being considered no matter what anyway. Well, there's a history with George Payton and Dan Quinn, too. Dating back to Miami. Yes, they work together, Payton in the front office, Quinn is defensive line coach, and six years ago, actually almost seven years ago, when Dan Quinn was in the hiring cycle and did get hired by the Atlanta Falcons as head coach. George Payton was up for some GM jobs, but took his name out, the Jets and the Bears specifically. But according to a report in Pro Football Talk back then, the two had talked about being a package deal and working together. There are a lot of reasons, and this may be chief among them, why if the Broncos do move on from Vic Fangio, I think Dan Quinn would be the favorite to get the job. You look at Russell Wilson, he's 33 years old. I don't know, four or five years left to play. I don't know if he wants to play as long as Tom Brady. But when you look at his numbers, and it's not always fair to look at numbers because we look at Teddy Bridgewater's numbers, just the, the straight stat line that you see on ESPN, Bridgewater's numbers don't look bad. He's average, like on balance taking in a lot of numbers. Right. Some are very good. Some are bad. Right. Some are in the middle. Right. And basically on balance, he is a mid-tier quarterback. Okay. Now, as for Russell Wilson, you look at his numbers this year, he's only played nine games. 14 touchdowns, four interceptions, you know, quarterback rating of 102. His QBR, lowest in his career by far. Is that a concern? No. And actually, one thing, if you want to kind of take a look at uh, this year, Russell Wilson, Let's just go by passer rating, okay? Of course, he had the finger injury, and he's been trying to play since then. Clearly, you watch him, you know he's affected by it. He's not going to admit to it, but he doesn't look the same. Before the injury, he completed 72% of his passes, 10 touchdowns, one pick, passer rating of 125.3. After the injury, completion percentage down 9 percentage points, 63. Four touchdowns, three picks. And his passer rating is down to 81.3, down 44 rating points. Clearly, he's being impacted by the injury. I think he gets to the offseason, heals, recovers. 
you're going to see what Russell Wilson was, which, by the way, for much of the 2020 season, we were talking about Russell Wilson being a legitimate MVP candidate. He faded down the stretch. But even if you take that fade in and add in his numbers from this year, pre- and post-injury, he still has a passer rating of right around 97. And if that's if that's Russell Wilson in a struggle point, the chances are pretty good he puts it back together, especially given what we've seen from a lot of other elite quarterbacks who have done very well going into their mid to late 30s. There are two ways that Russell Wilson comes here. Number one, because we've talked about all the other packages those teams can offer who are on his to-do list, for lack of a better phrase, he's going to have to say, no, I'm going to pull a Carmelo Anthony. I just want the Broncos because other teams can offer more. Yeah. I'm sorry. I think that's the only way, honestly, that that really can happen. The Eagles, or, the Eagles can see and Giants can both see the Broncos offer and easily raise. Okay. Now, George can overpay. He can go three first-round picks, a pair of seconds, and a couple of thirds. He could do that. Good. Is that likely, though? Do you think he will? No, I don't think he will. How high do you think he goes? Two ones, two twos, and a three. You think that's it? It'd be great to get him for that, but I'll tell you this. Everyone can puff out their chest and say, that's as high as I go. What's George's option? His option is is the only option that he would really have. Unless we're going to talk about Aaron Rodgers, but honestly, for all I know, things are fine there. Let's just take Aaron Rodgers out of the picture. Then he's got to draft a quarterback, and none of these quarterbacks are franchise guys. One might turn out to be great, but he if, if I'm George Payton, I look at it this way. If I am darn sure about a guy, darn sure, then I offer two twos, two ones, and a three, and probably a player. Maybe Noah Fant gets thrown in there. But if that doesn't work out, and I feel really good about a guy in the draft, then I say, fine, I'll walk away. I'll find, right. I'll find a way to get this guy. But if he doesn't feel really good about a guy, I'm sorry he has to go all in. Well, remember, He does. He just does. Well, the thing is, though, trading for Russell Wilson means that you are getting rid of a lot of draft capital mm-hmm. and you're taking up a lot of cap space. For your quarterback. Right. Which means that... And you are instantly competitive. You're instantly competitive. You're not with that rookie. But the thing that happens is then when you have holes that inevitably come up and you need to, to plug them, you are, for at least a year or two, down both draft capital and cap space because you're paying an elite money to an elite quarterback. Now, that's, it's fair to pay elite money to an elite quarterback. There's no problem with that. But you're also sacrificing draft capital. Like, when the Broncos brought in Peyton Manning, they paid him elite money at the time. They didn't have to give but up they, Exactly. Yeah. They didn't have to sacrifice draft capital. Bringing in Russell Wilson means both. And Whereas, if the, if the talk of a trade reached the point where the Broncos said, we're going to pass, yeah, they would probably have to move up to get the quarterback that they want in the first round this year, but they would be only sacrificing draft capital. They'd have a cost-controlled quarterback under the cap, and they would have that space to fill all the other holes in the roster because they would have a cheaper quarterback. Got some news coming out of the Nuggets as they get ready to take on the New Orleans Pelicans. There was a report earlier that Will Barton would not play because of a non-COVID illness. 
it is my understanding, according to reports on Twitter, I believe it might have been Mike Singer that from the Denver Post that uh, Barton did not participate in shoot-around. But, of course, according to Harrison Wind, who joined us in the last hour, Will Barton is active tonight and is in the starting lineup. What do we have coming up on Masterpiece Roofing, just in case you missed it? NCAA President Mark Emmert spoke at an intercollegiate athletics forum today about a number of topics. One of them there might be a stronger case for after the college football season we just saw. We'll get into that on the other side right here on Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason on Mile High Sports. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman Mason. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. Time now for the final word. The final word. Presented by Sasquatch Casino in Blackhawk. Just in case you missed it, is presented by Masterpiece Roofing. Find out how Masterpiece can get your insurance company to pay for your roof. Call 720-242-6404 or go to masterpieceroofing.com today. Just in case you missed it, NCAA President Mark Emmert spoke at the Sports Business Journal Learfield Intercollegiate Athletics Forum today about the lack of trust around college athletics, name image likeness, and his support for an expanded college football playoff. Does the season's competitive does this season of competitive college football strengthen the argument for a playoff expansion? It does. I mean, I think the argument's all, always been strong, but uh, especially if you think of the playoff as being more than just who the champion is, but uh, all the games along the way. But certainly, I think I think this does strengthen the argument. And I think ultimately, if we did have an expanded playoff, you'd probably see some, and probably from the SEC, yes, but probably some two or three lost teams that break through and win it because they're playing their best ball at the end of the year, like in any other postseason that we see. I just think Mark Emmert needs to go away. That's what I think. He needs to stop speaking publicly, resign his job, and do something else. For starters, the NCAA doesn't benefit from the playoff anyway. Right? And what was yeah. his what was his deal with the uh, name, image, and likeness? What did he say about that? He said there needs to be more uh, federal regulation of it so that there's a common book of rules everyone's playing by of course because the ncaa can't make any rules on its own right yeah right i mean at the headquarters in indianapolis instead of ncaa they should take off those four letters and just put hypocrisy on there just in case you missed it stephen curry is 16 three-pointers away from breaking ray allen's career most three-point field goals reggie miller is number three on that list for a clutch three-pointer each player in their prime who are you taking ray reggie or steph larry bird Hmm. that's a great answer to a different question eric 
Larry Ooh, Bird. Where did you get that one from? You stole that from me. Yes. <laughs> you stole that from uh, me, I but like I would it. take Larry Bird all day. And by the way, Blaine Larry Happy Bird birthday. fouled out. So you have to take one of those three guys. Gosh, that was harsh. I know. Ray Allen, Steph Curry, Reggie Miller. I'm taking Curry. I'd go Reggie. Cur- Curry's hit a, has a lot, a lot of big shots, and also I'm making a percentage play, and he's uh, about three and a half percentage points better in terms of three-point accuracy than Reggie is. I mean, Reggie's great, but Steph's better. You know who's a great clutch shooter? People don't give him any credit because they hate him around here. Carmelo Anthony was a fantastic clutch yeah. shooter. Fantastic clutch shooter. Needed a bucket, he would usually hit it. End of the game. But I know you didn't ask about him. I'm always happy to hear about Carmelo, but I I was just curious if you had a preference among the three guys at the top of the career three-pointers list. They're all great. It, it's, it's hard to pick. It's hard to pick. All right. That was Masterpiece Roofing, just in case you missed it. Uh, if you had hail damage over the last three, four months, or you need a new roof, highly recommend you go with Masterpiece Roofing. But if you do have damage, here's the deal. They're going to go after your insurance company hard. They do that better than anybody else. Had a buddy who had over $30,000 worth of hail damage. And my buddy wrote a $500 deductible check and his insurance company paid for the rest. Why? Masterpiece Roofing is awesome at doing that. Plus, they're the best in the business at what they do. Go to MasterpieceRoofing.com. Alex, Danny, fantastic job today. Same with you, Mace. Danny told me I had to be out at 56 three. Two, one.